Hi, my name is Jeff Pagano and welcome to the Harpen on Rugby podcast. We've been covering Leinster and Ireland rugby since 2008 and you'll find all our latest content at harpenonrugby.net. To start our third season of these pods, I've invited four fellow rugby fans to split into two teams and talk about the Lions tours as well as other rugby related topics in the form of a lighthearted quiz show. If listening to it gives you a fraction of the fun we had recording it, well, I'm not sure what that means because it never was any good with fractions, but you should probably listen anyway. So without any further ado, here's how we got on. Welcome to the world premiere of the Great Lions Tour Harp Off. What is that? I hear you crying. Well, some might call it a lighthearted quiz show where rugby fans earn points by harping on the leading topics of the day, while others might say I've invited four unsuspecting friends onto a Zoom call so they can spend an hour offering sympathy laughs for all my dad jokes. But, you know, tomato, tomato. Anyway, basically what I've done is divide my guests into two teams and in the finest tradition of traveling rugby squads, where training sessions involve matches between probables and the possibles, these Harpoff contests will pit the improbables against the impossibles. So let's meet the team, shall we? Wearing the captain's armband for the improbables is someone earning his 19th cap here in the pod. A warm welcome to our chief Leinster and general mayhem correspondent, Mr. Neil Kigo Keegan. Good, uh, good evening, and could I just start with a very quick statement that uh, I'm currently... I'm on a losing run in these quizzes, uh, much like Munster over the last decade. But also, <laughs> like Munster, when we do win, I will dine out on it for two decades. So uh, hopefully my teammate is able to carry the immense weight of expectation. So this has gotten off to a good start. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, joining Kigo on the Improbables is someone making his seventh appearance today. Hello to our Ulster correspondent, Mr. Ian Frizzell. Good evening, folks. How's it going, um, sir? Ian. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, it's, it's always a pleasure to come on the show. I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to this, and uh, um, I won't be embarrassed uh, at all at, uh, at winning. Indeed. <laughs> okay, that's another note in the thing for later on. We'll see what happens. Right, now to the team sheet for the Impossibles. And their skipper today is a Munster fan who has made me promise not to make any fire pit references. So I guess I've broken that already with this introduction. But anyway, hello for the ninth time to our Munster and Turing Lions fan correspondent, Michelle Tobin. Hi, Jeff. Good to be back. I'm, I'm not going to rise to Kigo's bait. I'm going to remain civilised and dignified at all times, being proud to be from the province of the Lions Tour captain. Ooh, okay, we're starting already. You might want points on the board before we even kick off, but sure, we'll Sext see. Sext Sexton's injured, so that's why we, we hand off the armband. Sexton's broken. <laughs> this, is, oh, this, is like, this is like a fight in the tunnel. They're coming out on the pitch. <laughs> Um, R Rory Best said today he wants to go back for one more game. So. There you go. <laughs> right. Finally, we want to be sure to have one guest from at least one of the other Proud Lions nations on the show each week. Although we might hold off on inviting anyone English until their football team's been knocked out of the Euros. <laughs> so today, I, I welcome for the fourth time our Edinburgh and Scotland correspondent, Mr. Sandy Smith. Evening all. Um, uh, it's good to be here and... Uh, it's actually really good to be in the company of um, uh, so many people whose teams have humiliated us 
as Edinburgh <laughs> over the years so many times. So maybe today I'll get my, my revenge. That's it. That's it. Very good. I don't, it, I don't think it comes with any league titles or anything, but I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> right. So those are the teams, and let's get this match started. Now, there are some rules, but you'll pick them up as you go along. Eventually, we'll get to the full-time whistle, and if the final score makes any sense to you, well, I guess that'll be a bonus. Um, so Kigo is going to be kicking things off for the Improbables. And before I give you your question, you're going to get a well-worn rugby cliche, which you'll have to work into your answer for some extra points. Now, just a little sidebar here. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had a preseason trial run where Kigo managed to find a loophole using cunning that Richie McCaw himself would be proud of when he simply just started his answer with the phrase. Um, so under, under new world rugby guidelines, as match referee, I'm going to award a free kick at minimum if you do that again. All right. Okay, so we're going to go into the first quarter, and um, I'm going to give you your phrase now. And I'd like to thank uh, Kieran Duffy of Post to Post Sport for providing these phrases. So this is what you need to work in to your answer, Kigo. Playing with physicality. Did you get that? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. And here is your question, sir. Let's get going. Match is kicking off now. Which player's chances of starting the Lions Test Series got a lot bigger against Japan on Saturday? Well, I sense there is a, you leaned on the word bigger there. Uh, now, for me, just to give you my emotional journey with the Lions very quickly, uh, I hate the Lions. Now, I've never been on a tour, so that's, I, they've been sky sportified to me, and that kind of ruins a lot of it, and it's become business. And then I watched the game uh, uh, last weekend, Enjoyed the game against my own will. That, so that's a good start. Um, now, obviously, it's, it's a warm-up game and all that sort of stuff that goes along with it. it. We can go into the mechanics of the game, but I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed the spectacle. Uh, but I wasn't fully on board until maybe 12 to 14 hours later uh, when we got another Irish captain of the Lions. Now, I'm taking my blue underwear off and I'm putting my red underwear on, uh, if you pardon the mental image. Uh, but it's absolutely fantastic for Conor Murray to be a Lions captain. Um, if you think about the shift he's done over the years, the injuries he's gone through and all that, blah, 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 it's great for him. Uh, but let's get into what's happening. Uh, you know, they tried to do it against Japan. They tried to play with physicality. But uh, they were obviously not oiled. Uh, not, I don't mean Guinness, I mean in knowing each other, knowing what they're doing. You know, they conceded too many penalties in, the, in their own half. They didn't, have, they, they didn't run enough. They didn't do enough, but that's all to be expected. Uh, it took, what is it, 55, 45, 55 minutes for Japan to score. That's a good sign. Uh, I loved, loved, loved Robbie Henshaw's try. Um, it, it, they, show, they pan out and showed the big screen. You can see him running from the car park, you know, like a dog with his head out of a car. And then Murray's just trying to get people to move out of the way. Otherwise, Henshaw would run three quarters of the stadium over. And he's just there cajoling the whole, the whole scrum, oh, the whole mall over, and then pops it in. It was beautiful. So there was some shining lights, um, some, some beautiful moments, but there's a long way to go. They're playing against monsters. And if they don't improve quick, and that's going to be the problem, the quick enough improvements that they're going to need, to, to, it's going to be a scrap. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be combat. Not they're not ready for it yet. So to, my emotional journey is ongoing, but I'm nearly on the Lions bandwagon. Very good. That's a good. That's a good start, sir. Moving on to Mr. Ian Frizzell. All right. Okay. I'm following up. Yeah. You are. <laughs> my, my 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 first thing was it was Lions against Japan. So 
the Lions, I think, had to uh, adapt to a different, probably, playing style than they would do um, when they get to South Africa against South African teams. Uh, Japan gave them quite, a, 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 I, I thought, a, a, a decent um, test. Uh, they are very unpredictable. So, um, uh, you know, guys were having to think on the hoof quite a bit. I thought we did pretty well with a, with a, a team that basically was lacking uh, the, the, the English uh, players right from the start. And uh, no matter what people think, you're still going to see three, four English players in the match day 23 at least. Um, so they were missed, I thought. Uh, I thought um, most of the players were reasonably well up to speed. I thought the Irish contingent uh, um, very good with with uh, Byrne and Henshaw particularly outstanding. I think we'll see uh, a different style uh, going into the the uh, games in South Africa proper. Brilliant stuff. All right, it's a good solid start. Now moving on to Michelle. Anything to say about Saturday? I should have been there. <laughs> I had tickets, I had flights, I had accommodation, and it's not the 19th of July yet. Mm-hmm. So it was a real killer uh, watching because obviously lots of my Lions people got to go and got to meet up. And uh, apparently there was a pretend wedding in a pub in order to be able to reserve a function room. There was even a best man speech. I mean, we're very resourceful, our slot. Uh, it used to be but, that was for a green card. Now it's just to watch rugby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it, it's to have drinks after rugby, yeah. <laughs> you know, particularly with, with the football going on. Uh, the game, like the, the first half certainly felt it was like it was going to be a, a complete walkover. And then the second half showed um, where the problems were. A lot of that was the fact that a lot of the bench were players who joined the camp a week late, so we're we're behind in terms of, of systems and, and stuff like that. I found it sorry, Sandy, but I found I found the analysis of Vandermeer's um performance really interesting because there were two very distinct caps. Yeah. He was he was a breakthrough, fabulous debutant, or his defense was weak, to put it politely, and no way he's gonna make a test team. And it, it's kind of very hard to see where he's going to fit, but I think Matsushima showed him up. And I think if Jimeno had started the game, the scoreline would have been a hell of a lot closer. Brilliant stuff. And then on to Sandy, anything to add just at the end there? Um, just briefly, I mean, obviously just to pick up, um, you guys have obviously spoke about a lot of the Irish players. Um, I mean, this, the the Scots and the team, I thought Sutherland played well at loose head when, uh, when he was on. Van der Merva, I think Michelle's right. It, 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 depending on what you read, there was you, you could you could say it was one thing or another. I, I somebody who's obviously watched him a lot, he's not normally somebody who is that far in off the wing. So I wonder whether that has been a deliberate tactic, not necessarily for Japan, but for something that's that they're going to be considering a a, 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 a you know a. a a part on the defence going forward, um, you know, he's he's not always necessarily somebody that's coming and looking for work. He was, you know, seen quite a few times in the middle, uh, uh, bringing uh, carries, short passes off uh, um, uh, from 
Connor and, and what have you. So I, th- I, I think you think you're right. The jury is out. I think that's the, probably the nicest way to say it. Um, I still had a look before we before we came on uh, on the air tonight to see whether I could get a, get a quote for him to be the top try scorer on the on the uh, on the tour because to be honest, I think he could be. Other than that, I felt you know I mean Japan actually won the second half. Uh, and it and it really felt as if I don't know whether there was a, a kind of collective foot off the gas. We've done enough. That's it. No no one any more injuries and and they've just slackened off a bit, which I think gives a kind of slightly um, skewed view of the match as a whole when you're not when they've really stopped playing after the halftime whistle properly. To be honest, so. Excellent. Well, that was a good, yeah, definitely a good start to the tour and a good start to the match as well, most importantly, of course. Um, yeah, just scoring all that now. Let's see. I think uh, Kigo got off to a pretty good start um, with some refreshing honesty on his Lions views. So I'm going to give him a, I'll give him, his team a converted try for that one. He got in his phrase. He did indeed. I give the old drop goal for that as well. Um, I give a sympathy try to Michelle for for not being there. Um, so Michelle's team will get a try there. I think everything was pretty much used up uh, before we got to the Impossibles team. So that, that that'll leave it there. So after the first quarter, the score is the Improbables have ten and the Impossibles have five. All right. So that's how we're going. Oh, Kigo has a could I also mention that I had tickets for the Lions tour as well. Uh Apparently, you're handing out tickets or points for anything nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm taking, I'm taking them off for begging as well. So, so it's now eight to five. Suddenly, yeah, that, funny, funny, funny how that happens. Uh, eight to five at the end of the first quarter, but you're still ahead, so that's going good. You know. Um, all right, so that's the end of the first quarter. Now we're going to go into a round called pot passes, where they each throughout the game, each player is going to get one minute on their own uh, question. And first up is Sandy. So I'm going to give you a question now. You get one minute. And oh, my God, what a coincidence that this question happens to fall to you. It's almost like I planned it this way. Um, here it is. In what stadium did booze with a Z quickly turn into booze with an S? Oh, uh, uh, the Murrayfield fiasco or the or the beerless, the beerless Murrayfield. Um, I mean, the whole, the whole thing has been a bit of a, um, palaver, to be honest, right, right from the way. I mean, it, you're talking about a sold-out Murrayfield becomes a sixteen thousand sold-out Murrayfield, um, but the sixteen thousand tickets that did get and were all in the highest price category. Um, so they're right away a, a source of some uh, annoyance to to many. Some of my own friends who had cheaper tickets, shall we say, not cheap. But cheaper, and didn't didn't get uh, the 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 legendary email that everybody else got, um, and then they did find some extra tickets, uh, and emailed some of the people who had the cheap tickets, but only to offer them seats at almost double the price. Um, so whilst surely your first thing back at a rugby match in eighteen months shouldn't necessarily be a beer, it should be the rugby. Um, if you've paid a premium price for a premium product, you should be getting what you want. Um, and, I, and I think that's, you know, pretty, pretty long. I mean, the, the, the queues there at any other international are pretty long. Anybody who's been there will know. I don't think it's any different anywhere else. But um, a, to, to run out of beer is just unforgivable. Absolutely. And, and I'm also led to believe the big screen's failed. Um, and uh, from a few of the, 
few of the kind of Scottish journals are following Twitter as well that uh, there was no Wi-Fi in the stadium for them to do their reports as well. Um, so it was it it was not. It doesn't seem to be particularly well organised, given, I suppose, in a way that they've had such a long time to organise it. But um, thankfully, at least there was something to talk about in the pitch. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's very good. Okay, yeah, so I have three points there for you. And um, so, yeah, good. Yeah, actually, I was going to give three points, but no, I'll give, um, I'm going to give you a five. I'll give you a try for that. Give you five. Five for that. So no points has earned you five points. Um, that's very good. Now, yeah, no points. Ian, your question, how did Warren Gatlin respond to his own personal captain's challenge? Yeah, I think he responded uh, uh, fantastically well. Um, I, 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 um, I'm not a massive Gatlin fan, um, and, and uh, who is, if not was. He, he responded very quickly, uh, and he responded uh, in a way that would suggest that he had that uh, as his backup plan. I know uh, his choices for uh, replacements, first of all, um, uh, for, for both AJW and uh, Justin Tipperick, uh, didn't didn't go down well this side of the RAC. Um, Adam Beard is, is, uh, is going to bring his own uh, unique um, play to, to, to the Lions. He will be useful, but I think we should all remember that, you know, he's coming in there as fourth or fifth choice uh, lock into the system. So I don't think you're going to see him playing in the test match, certainly not as a starter. Um, James, obviously, James Ryan, it, it turns out, uh, has been uh, carrying a bit of an injury. Uh, so um, uh, he wouldn't have probably gone in any case. But that's a story for another day. Navidi, I think, uh, uh, coming back from his injury and his Six Nations form was fantastic. He could force his way into the test side. Then his uh, obvious, obviously his change then for the captaincy. I think he's gone for a very safe bet with Connor based on the experience of three tours. He's probably picked the best man to keep the squad and everybody happy. Very good. Okay, okay, yeah, that's a solid one there. We'll get you over the trial line again, so I'll give you a five points as well. That gives us 13-10 going into the second quarter. Well done. Now, Thank you. this question is now for Michelle, and we're going to give you your, um, your phrase that pays. Uh, if you can work this into your answer somehow, and this is for you. Playing with passion. All right. Now, for this question, I'm not going to use any puns. I'm not going to try to be smart ass. I'm not going to try to word my question anyway. I'm just going to come and ask the straightforward question. Do you think this Lions tour will go ahead as advertised? And if so, should it? Well, obviously, I'm going to begin with the fact that I should have been there too. <laughs> In fact, right now, I should be on a plane somewhere en route to Qatar because that's the way you go to South Africa via the Middle East. But anyway, unfortunately, I'm not going. And to be honest, looking at where things are now, I'm very relieved that as supporters, we were put out of our misery a number of months ago, finally, that it wasn't going to be an option for us because watching the, the speculation at the moment about whether it's going to go ahead, obviously the players are out there, but what, what's going to happen? Um, it, it must be very stressful for the people, the certainly the operations team. I mean, we've got Gemma, who is the Lions operation manager, she, she's a really fantastic um, 
person when it comes to, to details and operations, but her mind must be all over the place at the moment because they haven't a clue what's going to happen. So there was a really good article in, in the Times on Monday, which which said, will the Lions tour go ahead? And yes, the answer is yes, it's money over morality because that's unfortunately what it looks like it's going to come down to. Uh, the funding structure of this Lions tour is different to any other Lions tour where the home nations and the Springboks are almost equal partners financially. They're already down um, something in the region of 43 million from tickets and associated revenues. So they, they're now relying on TV rights and the various sponsorships. To, to cover the cost and to help keep the South African Union afloat because they haven't played rugby since the Rugby World Cup. Now, one of the interesting things I saw about that was this part of all the money. It includes the income from the Lions Test match last weekend or in the Japan game. And it also includes any um, money for the, the television rights or any other income from the Springbok tests against Georgia. So it, it's all a very, very strange setup, but basically it means that the Lions get more money the longer they're out there, and, and the same, obviously, for South Africa. So it looks like money says, yes, this has to go ahead. The tests will go ahead, I would imagine, whatever happens. We may see a culling of some of the, the intermediate games I suppose one thing that, that is in their favour is that I think we only have two midweek games and then we go to a week between games. So it does give longer for, I suppose, the situation to improve. But at the moment, the, the COVID situation in, in South Africa is scary. Vaccinations are 5% of, of the people. So I think for the players that are out there at the moment, it must be really, really strange. You know, there's masks everywhere. They're having to wear gloves if they want to serve themselves some food. And they've been told that the players who are not in the match day squad will not be allowed in the stadium, which must be really, really strange for, for the players that, that won't be involved. So I, I do agree that I think we will see most of the games being played, if not all of them, whether they, I, they should. I'm, I'm uncomfortable given, given what's going on in South Africa right now. And much as I love rugby and, you know, unlike the others, I am a very, very passionate Lions supporter. And I would love nothing more than to sit and watch eight games of rugby between now and the 7th of August. But really, my heart says it shouldn't happen, but my head says it probably will. Very good. And you, you got the phrase in there just at the end, fair play to you. That was really, really well worked there. You had us guessing right, right, right up to the very end. Well done. Next up is Mr. Um, Sandy Smith. Um, I mean, obviously, the situation in South Africa, I'm not 100% okay with, other than the fact I know that they're, they're level four. Um, however, we have seen over the last few weeks other sports with, you know, tens, twenties, thirty, forty thousand people in stadium um, uh, and treated in, in, a, in an entirely different way in a seemingly arbitrary fashion. Um, so, 
whilst I think Michelle's right, you know, head says it shouldn't, heart says it should. I think, to be honest, we've got, it, given that um, that's the circumstance in the, in the, with other sports, I mean, Wimbledon's ongoing at the moment, you know, with, with crowds. You know, why, why should people not go and watch rugby? Um, if, if we don't, if one sport's not getting and no sport's again, and I'm not saying that in a, in a mean-spirited way for, for tennis fans or for football fans, it's just that, you know, the, the pandemic doesn't care what sport you're there to watch. It only cares you're there. I mean, but so I say well, we should we should probably go for it. Very good. Okay, dokie, that's on to you, um, Ian. Just, just picking up one thing there that Sandy said, uh, rugby generally, um, and certainly uh, from an IRFU, uh, point of view have been very very cautious uh, right from the outset and I know this uh, from my own personal experience of, of working with the club here at home um, so it didn't surprise me that uh, that there was only 16,500 at, at Murrayfield um, because I, I, I would say that most of the uh, rugby unions the home u- unions probably working off a similar sort of a hymn sheet. I do expect to see all of, of certainly most of the games being played. Okay, here you go. Short answer, no. Uh, look, sport is great. We all love sport. We all want to watch sport. And forget about whether I like the Lions or not. We're talking about we're talking about player safety, player welfare, people welfare. Imagine being a family member of any of those players who got on that pitch, knowing what's happening in South Africa. They have no hospital places. They have no spare hotel beds to quarantine people. Uh, Woody brought it up during the week. What if someone needs to get a scan? They have to go to a hospital. They're going straight into the epicenter of COVID. You know, how do you manage that bubble? The annoyance I have with it is from the outside, and I'm. it looks like we're putting TV ahead of safety. I get that people love the lines. I know that Michelle loves it and would love to be there and all that sort of stuff. But the reason she's not there is because it's not safe. South Africa is not a safe place because not enough people are vaccinated. So that's why the stadiums aren't there. Now, we've got loads of people vaccinated and no one in our stadiums. That's a separate issue for a separate quiz. But going to South Africa right now is a horrific idea. And the only reason you do that is for money. And I can only imagine the wives, girlfriends, boyfriends of everyone in that squad going, staying at home while they go over there for eight weeks wondering what in the name of Jesus is going to happen if they break their leg or if they catch COVID. If you look at it from a human being point of view, 100% no. But if you look at it from a business, as Michelle went over, they've no choice. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a serious topic and we all hope that it, um, that it did. We can assume that if the terror does go ahead, that it is safe, that it is okay, and that they're not they're not putting other things, they're they're not taking unnecessary risks that we'll find out about later on. So we'll just have to we we'll just have to wait and see. Well, that was a great round, folks. Um, I'm going to get before you go to the before you go to the school, Jeff. I would just oh. like to say I've been, I'm being persuaded by Kigo there, so I retract my support for it. <laughs> okay, there you go. All right, there you go. Um, no, listen, we've we've given the points. I'm giving giving you all points. You made some great. You, you've all got the same vicinity there. But I'm giving, Michelle had great research. She let off the question, got her phrase in. So I'll give them a converted try for that. So let's see, when I tied everything up, we've reached the halftime whistle. It's now Improbables 19, Impossibles 20. So it's close going into the halftime. So we'll see We'll see what happens. Uh, as the players are going in for the halftime oranges, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsors. Um, the Great Lions Tour Harp Off has been brought to you by Coors Light. 
If there's ever a chance you're going to have to tell 16,500 thirsty fans you've run out of beer, make sure it's Coors Light you don't have. They might actually thank you. <laughs> okay, so, well, now we're back, on, we're back on the pitch. And we're going to crack on. We're going to go into the third quarter now. And um, this question is for Sandy Smith. And, uh, we're, it's, you know, we, we are going to talk a lot about the Lions, but in this second half, we're going to move on to a few different topics that are happening in the rugby world. So this is the phrase you have to try to work into your answer, Sandy, if you're ready there. Playing with doggedness. Okay. Did you get that? And, uh, oh, yes. Here's your question. <laughs> what new rugby laws went through a series of tests and will now be used in a series of tests? Um, there are two new rugby laws that are uh, coming into force at the be beginning of August. I think we're missing out the last of the Lions matches. I think international rugby uh, thereafter will be subject to these two new laws. Number one is the 50-22, which is a variation on a rugby league um, law. Um, put quite simply, kick the ball from within your own half uh, into the opponent's 22, and it, as long as it bounces before it goes into touch, rather than the opposition getting the throw in, you will get the throw in. Um, so uh, before I go on to the next one, I, I'm not sure about this at all. Um, uh, it, a, it's an incredibly hard thing to do. Um, it, you know, you're, a rugby ball is not round. It's you know, it, it's bounces unpredictable. So trying to get people to choose to do this in order for the ethos being to try and um, make the opposition have some people in the backfield and reduce the defence line. Are they, are they really? Because, you know, I suspect most of the time what's going to happen here is that your scrum half will go for a box kick and it'll accidentally happen. So I'm not, not sure about that one at all. Um, uh, the other one is obviously the goal line dropout. So if you're attacking and uh, uh, on the goal line and the ball is held up over the line, there's been a knock-on over the line, uh, or the third one being if somebody has kicked through into the goal uh, area and you the defence touched down, rather than being either a scrum five or a 22 dropout, it will be a goal line dropout. For the first two of those, I was finding it hard to really think. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that there is something in this that it will make teams want to try and move the ball rather than just repeatedly uh, repeatedly try and force their way over within, you know, and never bother to pass the ball out the backs. Well, I, I don't know. I, 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 I guess we'll see in practice. But you know, there's there's more chance of the ball being held up over the line with a maul and a ruck on a on the goal line than there is if it's passed out to a, a centre or a wing. So, and you know, to to then that that gives the ball to the defence to, to kick it, you know, probably down at the halfway line. It is probably not a great reward for all the attacking intent. Um, the, the one I think is quite interesting though is the kick, if, if, the, if it's a kick through and it's touched down, because again, that's probably not a great reward for the defence in that situation because you'd, you'd, in the past, what that would have meant would be you would have got the uh, you would have got a twenty two dropout. Now you're having to do that from your own goal line. Um, so that's a kind of I wonder whether in that scenario people will be tempted to try and have a go 
in, in certain circumstances. But I tell you, the one thing that will happen is that it'll bloody confuse them because the, the, until they get, they get their, their heads around it, for the first few months, that's going to be a, a head scratcher because, you know, years and years and years of touch the ball down, come on, we'll get a 22, is just going right out the window. Uh, and you know, trying to get that mindset changed, I think, is going to be really, really difficult. Um, uh, so, fifty-twenty-two, just not sure practically it's going to do much. Uh, goal line dropout. There is some potential, I think, you know, interesting factors to come out of it. But uh, um, as as long as we've dropped the captain's challenge, I'm quite happy. <laughs> Definitely. And to you, Michelle, what do you make of them? Uh, a bit like Sandy, um, fifty twenty two doesn't really bother or excite me either way. Um, but um, Captain's Challenge didn't bother me, but my big one was that 20-minute red card. So glad. You know, a lot of the super rugby coaches have been, um, I'm trying to use a, word, a polite word here, is like complaining about the soft nature of the Northern Hemisphere teams that, you know, we're against that 20 minute red card. That 20 minute red card was so bad for player safety and player welfare. And I am so, so glad that that is gone and I never want to see it again. You know, if you want to bring in an orange card, bring in an orange card, but red means red. And if you do something that deserves a red card, your team, you are letting the team down so your team should not be able to rebuild in the same way. So Thumbs up for the fact that that's gone. Brilliant. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I like the 50-22 because it brings back one of the things that I, I used to love, which is the pressure clearing kick. Uh, and then the the defence can gain an advantage from it as opposed to just going, get away from me, get away from me. So I, I do like that kick. The, uh, the theory behind these two rules are great. You can kind of see that they're trying to spread teams out a little bit so that more things happen, more open play, which is great. Uh, but then if you're if you're attacking or if you're defending and you see the 10 starting to drop back a wee bit, you know what's about to happen. So Sexton, whether it's Eric Elwood, whoever it is, it was always great to see them take the ball and clear the lines. And, and, and to get an advantage out of that, uh, I think, gives more... Um, it's more important for a 10 now to think a bit more as opposed to just passing it and hoping someone kicks it up in the air. So it'll be an interesting thing to say, see, but I think they're too... They haven't damaged the game. You know what I mean? There's going to be a lot of rules to come in that damage the game. These don't damage the game. So that's that's a plus, I suppose. Any final thoughts, Ian? Um, right, well, uh, I'm just going to uh, latch on to Kegel and mm. uh, drive his views over the line. Oh, OK. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's a good one I kept that break very good Mike I like that um, I might not give you extra points for it but um, I, I, oh, I, like the, like the I don't know oh, I, said I, might, I said I might I'm looking at it now um, I like the scrum half thing that Sandy said about the, that it could happen by mistake I never thought about that um, that's a, that would be interesting I could totally see that happening um, so I think overall those are the championship minutes I, I think I'll give converted tries to both teams I think we're doing okay bring the scores forward um, so it's 26 the improbables and 27 <laughs> Are captain's challenges still in effect? Um, I've just decided no. Uh, okay. <laughs> and you can blame Michelle. You can blame Michelle. Is there, 
<laughs> Can I just see if there's there any points for any extra points for honesty in this? Uh, uh, hon your... Honestly, no. No. Could no. <laughs> I could I say you're looking very handsome this evening? Yeah, you can definitely say that. That's another um, ten points, and I'll take the ten points off for because I know you're lying. <laughs> so there we go. So miraculously, we're still at twenty six, twenty seven after all that. That's amazing. Um, okay, listen, we're we're gonna move on now. We're gonna go into the final pop passes. Um, we got in fact, ironically, it's Kigo. So we'll see how you fare with this one. We'll see how well I score you on. And um, here's our question now. Apparently, the Lord said, "Come forth, and you shall receive eternal life." But which premiership club came forth and went on to receive something else altogether? Wow. Okay. Good question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, it's interesting because, again, uh, I'm quite a grumpy person. I do not like the English premiership, uh, but I watch this uh, for the sake of the show. Uh, and I do like the extra chiefs. I really do like them. Uh, and I'm worried for them. Now, this is a reach out across the world to our beautiful uh, Exeter brothers and sisters to say, don't lose hope in your team. Uh, there is a hoodoo there. There is a, a jinx has been put on your team when the chips are down uh, and they are struggling to get through it. Now, I know there are trophies in the cabinet, but there should be a lot more. And, and it happened again over the weekend in there against Quinn. And um, so the, the issue there is now, again, there's an Irish connection. Flannel's in there. A flag, excuse me, is over there. And that's great. Uh, but, you know, if you look at the, the season as a whole, uh, Quinn's have only won one in five against Exeter. Uh, now, I don't think Exeter went in overconfident or anything like that. Uh, and look, it's an end of a long season and blah, blah, blah. But this is a game they should have won. And this is a game they could have used to kind of exercise some of those demons. Um, there were scores all the way up to the final minute. So if you just want rampant scoring at random intervals with minimal defense, it's all there. It's a bit like, you know what you're going to get with an English Premiership game. And this was it. Uh, the, the more important part of that is that we like Exeter uh, and there are very few likable teams over there. They have not performed more than they have performed uh, and they need to fix that pretty quick or they will become, uh, as Michelle said pre-show, they'll become another Claremont, a team we like, but who, who's, uh, there's spider webs in the trophy cabinet. I don't want that to happen for Exeter, as long as they don't play Leinster in any sort of final. I, I want them to win more trophies. They need to fix this badly. Very good. Okay, so for stealing Michelle's answer and um, straying in, straight into her question, um, I'm still going to give you points. Uh, I'll still give you points for that. Uh, that was a, that was a good answer there. Okay, uh, just to make a quick clarification while we're on the Premiership, we were going to include the recent announcement of ring fencing by the Premiership in our show today, but then we decided it didn't meet the minimum required standard, so we decided to relegate that topic to next week's show. See what I did there? <laughs> Okay. Um, now on to Michelle's question. Um, what major final involving French sides gave us all a case of deja vu? Uh, Leinster versus Munster, the <laughs> end of the previous season. <laughs> um, no, actually... Dining out in that a bit. <laughs> no, actually, if you said... I said at Get the end point. of the previous season, so I'm talking about last summer, last July, August... <laughs> Where Munster, Munster supporters usually talk about 20 years ago, though, Michelle. So fair play. I know, but I, I'm being honest because, I mean, <laughs> Munster, Munster on the losing side of, of both of these <laughs> analogies. But if you remember the, when the, the Pro 14 restarted last year, Munster played Leinster and could have won. Didn't, 
but could have. Then we got them in the final and they won by a lot. Whereas we've gone into the final going, well, we could have beaten them a couple of weeks ago and we can beat them this time. And then we didn't. So that's what the top 14 final was a bit like for me because um, the, the Heineken Cup had been so close and bearing in mind in particular that La Rochelle played that with 14 men for the vast majority of the game, you know, it was a five-point game. So a bit like Munster having hope going into the Pro 14 final, that La Rochelle would have been fired up going in thinking, we came that close, this could happen, this is our year, but it wasn't. <laughs> you know, that Cheslin Colby drop goal, I want to see a kickoff between Cheslin Colby and Ben Healy because I think that would be fantastic. You know, one of these half-time bits, maybe for one of the Lions matches or or something, you know, Autumn Internationals or something, um, have, have a kicking competition. And, and I know Healy could have gotten that. And in fact, Colby's kick, in fairness, while it had the distance, it was right in front of the posts. Uh, I've seen Healy and, in fact, Rory Scannell put away some of those from, from awkward angles. So it was really impressive, but not all there. Uh, how could La Rochelle beat that team uh, in those conditions to lose, you know, that team of stars? What a send-off for Jerome Kano. DuPont on fire. I mean, sadly for Raj, and I mean, Raj, Raj, La Rochelle getting there was, was all Raj. You know, that Gibbs fellow was just up the side and he can feck off to Claremont and, and not win trophies there either. <laughs> so, you know, Raj is the man. Uh, top 14 final was was a bit of a damn squib, literally and and physically. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sorry, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Can I can I just interject there? Um, feel free, feel free. Yeah, John O'Gibbish can just feck off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. There's a lot, a lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> we started, we started with the Munster Leinster reference, which wasn't a great start. Um, but uh, but 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 P Kigo got in a few lakes. You did bring it back, so I will give you some points for that. Um, I think I, I think I'll give you maybe three points, three points for that one. But which brings us. Going into the final quarter, the improbables have 31. The impossibles have 30. So what's going to happen? It's all down to the final quarter. This is getting crazy now. Um, and this final question is going to go to Mr. Ian Frizzell. So if you're ready, sir, I'm going to give you a phrase, which you're going to try to work into your answer. If you're ready for this one now, here we go. Playing with intensity. Okay, thanks again to Kieran for all those for all that voiceover work there. And here's your question, sir. Over the coming weeks, Apart from the Lions, is there any other rugby for us to look forward to or will we be forced to watch the Euros? <laughs> First of all, um, I haven't watched soccer for, I don't know, years. But this week I've been enthralled by it. Um, that, some of the soccer that's been played, some of the football that's been played. Not a good start on a rugby quiz show. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm, keep at it. Keep at it. I'm only going I'm I'm to start my, my answer. <laughs> we have, over the next couple of weeks, some fantastic rugby to look forward. And go on, I'll, I'll actually go into our under-20s first. I think we have got um, a, a side a squad that's almost the equal of the 2016 squad. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to um, seeing some more of them this weekend. Uh, it's tomorrow night, isn't it? 
Yeah, tomorrow night. Tomorrow, tomorrow night. I saw the team pick today. He hasn't made too many changes. Uh, but I'm just amazed. Uh, and Dennis Leamy said the same thing. I'm just amazed at how well these guys are developed for, for uh, 19, 18, 19, 20-year-old guys. Um, the, the size of them uh, is, is just amazing. The uh, skills uh, that they have, and by Joe, they play with intensity. Um, we have our first of two uh, internationals this weekend, <clears throat> uh, uh, and we play Japan. Um, I think Japan um, are very, very much underestimated. And I'm, I'm sure I read somewhere at the weekend where some people are hoping that you know they do uh, make that uh, step up into Tier 1 uh, international rugby, because uh, they're a match for anyone. Uh, from an Ireland point of view, um, can I say first of all that uh, I, I don't think that every non-cap player will or even should uh, get a debut over the next two games. I think some of the guys there will be uh, have to be content just with uh, uh, being in the squad, being in the training camp. Uh, we should go with a, a, a strong side for the game this weekend. Um, uh, maybe drop a couple of guys in with debuts coming off the bench, but uh, I don't I don't see any starting uh, debut players. Uh, I think Peter O'Mahony will captain the side, uh, and uh, 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 he'll play at his normal position at number six. Um, uh, different people obviously will have different views, um, but I I have uh, uh, gone with my starting team would be Kilcoyne. Herring, Ryan, Baird and Delan, Peter O'Mahony, Josh Van der Fleer and Caelan Doris. Uh, and my backs would be Keenan, Conway, Farrell, McCluskey, Stockdale, Carberry and Jameson Gibson Park. I would be looking at bringing uh, O'Toole, uh, Witcherly or Maloney and Coombs uh, into the, the, the game later on for, for their debuts. Um, for the USA game, if James Ryan is fit, he'll play and he'll captain. That would mean that we will definitely be able to get uh, uh, either Gavin Coombs or uh, Witcherly uh, a start, uh, some one of the two of them, uh, uh, into, the, into the starting team. So, yeah, loads of good rugby coming up over the next wee while. Very good. On to you, Kigo. Uh, yeah, long answer. Uh, Long answer short, yes, there's, uh, we get to put on that green jersey again. Uh, and that, that's the one that brings us all together. Not just because I bought it four stone ago. Everyone can fit in my jersey. Uh, no, uh, the one thing I'm going to miss is, uh, I, and this whole thing has only started to hit me kind of as the Irish team started ramping up again towards the end of the last season. Uh, I miss going to the stadium. I miss seeing Ireland's call. I miss slagging people wearing Leinster jerseys and Munster jerseys to international games. Um, I just, I missed that whole thing and it would be great to be there this weekend. I, love the, I love the squad that, that uh, Farrell has picked. I feel that uh, we had a conversation last time about Harry Byrne. I think we're talking about under 20s. I think Doak and Kendellan are, you know what I mean? I know they're 19. I know they're babies. But in terms of skill, in terms of size, they're not far away. So we might see them getting, not in terms of Ireland, but in terms of provincial rugby, stepped up much quicker after that under-20s campaign, which would be 
massive for us in the green jersey when we think about our 10 issues and our nine issues we've got a lot of stuff going on around everywhere else great to see baird coming back oh man he's been there for 100 years there's a lot that he had to pass on to that team and i think he's going to start doing that now and that's what it's all about that's the game so and then later on in the day after you've had your beer you can watch the lions if you want but it's all about ireland it's all about putting that green jersey on standing up and annoying your entire house singing two national anthems far too loud when there's no one around, annoying your children, your wife kicking you in the genitals to make you stop talking. All of this stuff happens and starts this weekend. Some of that is based on my personal life. <laughs> Very good. Some strong scoring from the improbables there, I have to say. Now, they put up a challenge now to the impossibles. We're going to finish out the game. We're going to pass off to Sandy. And just to warn you before you start your answer, if you can't give me in-depth knowledge on the Ireland under-20 squads, seriously, talk about the Scots, man. How, what, what are things looking like for them? Well, I have to say that uh, listening back there for a while, I did feel like I was watching Premier Sports. Um, and uh, the only thing that was missing was Stephen Ferris in the background to tell us how <laughs> bad everybody else is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, keep it short. Scotland are obviously, they've, uh, they should have had an A, A team match against England uh, at the weekend, which called off due to COVID. Um, we've got away ties to Romania and Georgia. And it's obviously a very young Scotland squad that's going out with some of the more experienced guys, your, your Hamish Watsons, your Stuart Hogs, uh, are away with the lines. Some some have been left behind because they've, there's no really we know what we can get from them. But um, for those of you that are not hugely familiar, I would look out for the likes of obviously Edinburgh's uh, Luke Crosby, uh, Jack Blaine, who was a star at under-21, um, uh, and uh, maybe in particular uh, Ross Thompson, the Glasgow fly half, who, who, for a young man who's only just over 21, has, has had a real good start to his professional uh, career with Glasgow. Um, uh, and perhaps, and, and I've not seen this guy play a lot either, but he's obviously highly rated by... Uh, Gregor Townsend is uh, Josh Bayliss, the, the Bath player, who was due to be in Scotland's Six Nations squad but was injured uh, um, prior to and never made an appearance. So that's where we've got. Um, I know that Ian's mentioned the under-20s. Under um, Scotland's under-20s are particularly young this year. Um, they've had uh, a hiding both from Ireland and from England in the last couple of weeks. But... Uh, there's still been some stuff worth seeing there, and some players that uh, that are that, that got a big future. Um, I would say this as well, but the the Scotland number eight, under twenties number eight, Ben Muncaster, obviously is a, a an Edinburgh man. So uh, looking forward to seeing a bit more of him against Italy at the weekend, and hopefully we'll can maybe get our campaign off the ground there a bit, if nothing else. Um, uh, but you know, that's pretty much it for Scotland this summer. Um, uh, it would have been nice to have seen that A-match, but it's not to be. Okay, so listen, Michelle, we're 79 minutes in. It's one minute left, and, I, and the, no. scoreboard, the scoreboard stopped working. So we don't have no idea how many points are on the board. But I'm telling you, there's no pressure here, but it's all down to you. We've got one minute, one minute well, on the matches to come over the next few weeks. Um, we'll before we look at... 
at, at the first to come over the next few weeks, nobody has mentioned the amazing achievement of our sevens team in qualifying for the Olympics. They had a really tough run in. That game against France was was stunning. It was mind blowing, and the achievement. You know, our our women's sevens team have achieved success long before the men's and it it felt for a long time like the men's sevens weren't getting support but now in in the last couple of years they really have and I'm I'm thrilled for the guys they've got a really really tough draw in Tokyo uh Kenya USA and South Africa that's not an easy pull but you know our guys have won tough matches they play these teams on the world circuit when the circuit is running so um i have every faith in them and and really hope they do well and congratulations on getting where they are the under 20s i was all prepared to rant about the fact that the biggest game of the under 26 nations was on the rte player and then they announced today it's on RTE News now. Good luck finding it in your TV guide, but find it. Eight o'clock Ireland versus England. This is big. Some phenomenal talent in, in the 20s. Um, Kiko mentioned Kendellen, Doak, Sirocco. Our props are incredible. Uh, Shane Jennings is nothing like his namesake, but everything like his namesake at the same time. And there's plenty of other exciting talent. Re- Osborne at fullback is phenomenal. He plays all, all the back positions at the same time in the same game. Incredible. Are the, I, I have Kiko's reservations or, or nerves about Saturday in, in Japan. As I say, Jimeno will have an extra week's rest. Um, they'll have been scoping out our guys and in, in some places and definitely not being there again is a killer and I think the lads really notice it uh, on the pitch but I, I'm hoping we have two really good test games and, and my big thing that I always say for games no injuries I mean we saw the cost of last Saturday at the Lions game uh, I really don't want to see any more big injuries th- this summer we've got a, a World Cup in the not too distant future uh, as I say you've got the the sevens in the Olympics the sevens rugby world cup is next year as well um, just stay safe great games and let, let's go very good okay well listen folks the cock is in the red now anyone have anything they want to say before we wrap it up you've never sounded better sir I think you really do oh. you really go across on this podcast uh, and, okay. and can I admit that I didn't watch the top 14 final because I was watching the under 20s? More, more, more refreshing honesty. Oh, okay. All right, so that's good. Um, listen, I tell you, we were 41 all, the scores, just before that final minute. But I'm telling you, I think Michelle bringing in the sevens uh, might have uh, might have clinched it for the impossibles here. Uh, straight seven points for sevens. And I think well I'll give it to the Harper. The Harper of the Match Awards goes to Michelle as well. Fair play to you there. That's our final score there, 41 to 48. I, again, I have no idea how I got to those numbers, but it sounded good. Um, <laughs> listen, I want to thank you all. That, that went really well. Uh, thanks to Kigo, Michelle, Ian, and Sandy for joining me this week. And um, hopefully we'll do this again uh, before the Lions Tour is out. And um, I'm going to leave you all with a quote from Mr. Jiffy Rugby himself, Jonathan Numbuzz Davies, <laughs> who said this on a question of sport back in 1995. He said, and I'm not going to try the accent because I'm too knackered at this stage. Um, I think you enjoy the game more if you don't know the rules. But one thing's for sure, you'd be on the same wavelength as the referees. So we're going to leave it there. <laughs> Thanks, folks. And uh, we're going to talk to you again next week. Good night, all. Cheers. 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 
Thanks again to Kigo, Michelle, Ian, and Sandy for playing along with the new format. Hopefully we'll have them all back on soon for future shows. Also, thanks again to Kieran Duffy of Post to Post Sport for all the voice recordings. We hope to be back on with another pod like this next week. In the meantime, be sure to tune in to harpenandrugby.net for all of our usual content, which will include coverage of both Ireland and the Lions this weekend. Until next time, stay safe, everyone. Slán.